People come to the San Francisco Bay Area for many reasons, a spectacular natural setting, a sophisticated lifestyle, and unique professional opportunities. Those seeking these qualities will find all that and more at Hacienda, where you can work, live, and grow. A Hacienda location means having the best of everything within easy reach. Whether it's world-class restaurants, theaters, and museums, the best learning institutions in the country, or some of the finest services available. That particularly applies to businesses wanting the best address to have easy access to needed resources, being among the industry leaders, and knowing that you are part of a region that leads the world in innovation. The result, an unbeatable combination that leads to success, and that is what you will find at Hacienda. Find out more by visiting Hacienda on the web at hacienda.org. Bill Gallopo is BKM Capital Partners' new Chief Financial Officer. Joining the organization from his role as EVP and Head of Investment Operations at PIMCO, Bill brings 25 years of institutional-grade commercial real estate investment and operations experience that will help BKM in its new trajectory to be the leading industrial investment and operations platform in the Western United States. The Newport Beach Company is an active player in the industrial market on the West Coast, which has been one of the busiest ones in the country. Where the industry is heading can be anyone's guess, but BKM and Gallopo will certainly be part of that evolution in the years to come. Bill, good afternoon. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Where do we find you today? Where Where are you? In lovely Newport Beach, California. Okay. And I can see from the screen, since we are doing this via Zoom, it is sunny over there. It's a beautiful sunny day here, like just about every other sunny day in California. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, it's wonderful and rainy here in the, in the Pacific Northwest, Bill, just if you were wondering. so well, we can uh, live vicariously through us then. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, so, Bill, um, by way of introduction, tell us a little bit about, you know, yourself, um, you know, how you got to where you are. Uh, tell us a little bit about your company, um, just um, so we know who we're talking with. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. Um, and, and let me just say thank you for having me uh, here today. It's uh, it's uh, it's an honor to be here talking to you. So I, I joined BKM back in September of 2021. And my experience prior to that was in the institutional asset management space. I spent 15 years at Fidelity Investments and then just under 10 years at PIMCO. Okay. Where I had focused on a number of risk management, investment, finance, and investment operational type of roles over the course of my career. So my background is, is really on the financial operations and, and financing side of the business. Got it. Yeah. And so tell us sort of, you know, how the, how that path led you to, you know, where you are today and, uh, you know, a bit about BKM. Yeah. So it, it started really over the summer when there was an opportunity for BKM, um, to, to hire a new chief financial officer. And I had the opportunity to meet with Brian Malliott, our CEO, 
And uh, I really just, I instantaneously understood and liked his vision for the business. And as I learned more about the, the market opportunity that BKM was, was capitalizing on, I got quite excited about it, particularly coming from PIMCO where my focus was mainly in, in fixed income, um, right. having the opportunity to focus on a different asset class where I thought there were, you know, the potential for outsized returns was just really interesting. And as I, I got to know more about the company and met the team and, and observed and could really feel the cultural difference of, of this firm, it just got me excited. And, and I, I just couldn't wait to join. And I was lucky enough to, to have the opportunity to do that. Great, great. So let's jump into what BKM does. Uh, tell us a little bit about kind of where where you guys operate, uh, n- not sort of where your office is, but more just in terms of the, the, the you know the part of the industry in which in which you participate and kind of wh- where geographically do you guys also um, you know invest in and kind of where, where where is your sphere of influence, if you will? Yeah, great question. So geographically, we we focus our our operations basically west of Denver, although we're looking at some opportunities in, in new markets, although we tend to focus where we have expertise. You know, part of our, our capability in the market, what I think really differentiates um, BKM from a lot of other providers in this space is that we've got a vertically integrated operating capability. Um, in, in our market, which is light industrial, basically 150,000 square feet and less um, of space is typically where we go. We go larger, we go smaller. Yeah. Um, but to succeed in, in that space is rather difficult. And, and a lot of investors struggle because they don't have the full platform that we have. And, and that's where I think, you know, we are different in as much as number one, we've got um, just a proven investment strategy. Focusing in this area of the market has been, you know, something that our leadership and our management team has been doing for well over 20 years. So the depth of experience we have to back up the investment thesis is, is extraordinary. You know, we also have a phenomenal acquisitions capability where we've got relationships in all of the markets in which we serve, deep relationships with brokers, deep ability to source deals. You know, we also have an amazing data analytics capability okay. through the EKM Intel platform that we built, which gives us kind of quantitative data to, to correlate to what we're hearing in the market through various sources of information like brokers. So it's the combination of those things that really give us an opportunity to source a lot of value-add deals. And you know, we, when you couple that capability with the operating platform we have, which is really focused on on-site management, and that's really big. We're in region, we're on-site, we know the markets, we're close to our tenants. Um, we have a very robust and capable leasing platform. We have an in-house construction and design team. Um, we've got the whole the whole capability front to end. So we're not just an investment company. We really are an integrated real estate operating platform. And, you know, I think that really is, is how we excel in, in this marketplace. And that's what we focus on. And uh, that's continuing. You know, that, that's kind of at our core. That's what we're going to continue to be. And we just are, are, you know, looking to expand that into new investment opportunities in the markets that we, that we operate in and, and in new ones. Okay. So I do want to get back and, you know, ask some specific questions about this platform and sort of how you guys do things the, you know, the way that you do. Um, I would like to also just take a step back a little bit and, you know, talk about the industrial market a bit, right? And so here we are, you know, Q4 of 2021. Um, the industrial market never really sort of took a pause um, since you know the end of 2019, start of 2020. 
yeah. it's been a darling of the of of the commercial real estate industry. I would argue for the for the last two years and even you know longer, right? Um, as you kind of you know look at things, maybe give us a little bit of a you know y- your perspective of sort of where where does the industrial market sit today? And kind of we'll, we'll get into that a little bit of sort of the you know prognostication too. But but sort of how does it look like you know today as as you as you as you sort of see it from from uh, your perspective? Yeah, you know I, I think to understand Q four and where we're going, it's it's just instructive maybe to look at Q three and where we've come from. And, you know, I think we as a as a, a as a national economy saw just a surge in the third quarter of 2021, uh, 2021 when it came to the recovery of jobs and effectively returning to a somewhat normal operating environment, if you can call it that, you know, in the, the post COVID wake, you know, at quarter end, we kind of saw the the rundown of the Delta surge and, you know, that was seeming to get under control. And in the wake of that um, industrial activity picked up. Um, picked up quite high. And that was largely the result of consumer demand, right, for products and particularly for products that that needed to be manufactured, kind of shipped and stored within the United States, given the global supply chain issues. And I thought, you know, what we saw was that this was particularly true in certain sectors of the industry, in in high tech and biomed and a number of other areas that that are growing. And as that was happening, um, it obviously affected the industrial market quite, quite well. Um, I think you know, quarter to date Q3 U.S. industrial sales over the trailing 12-month period was 128 billion, which is getting back to about where we were pre-pandemic. And this is sales um, of uh, industrial properties, right? Yeah, yeah, which is quite—it's quite quite a remarkable number given where we've been recently. Um, third quarter absorption was 130, just over 130 million square feet of volume. Which is unbelievable. Yeah. I believe vacancy was below five percent. This is on a national uh, basis. It's on a national yeah. basis, yeah. yeah. And this is across the industrial landscape. Yep. So, um, it's 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 just a hot market. You know, grant, rents are growing incredibly fast. Um, I believe nationally, we saw the asking price for rent increase just around four percent across the industrial marketplace. So, you know, it's been it's been good. It's been a good story for the market. Yeah. And I think our particular sector which is mid to light bay industrial has done incredibly well with that kind of looking at the global demand, particularly in the major market hubs that we operate in. You know, we're, we're largely in the Northwestern United States in Seattle. Um, we're in Northern California. We're in you know, Southern California in the Inland Empire in Orange County in San Diego. We've got large operations in Las Vegas and Phoenix and Denver. Those markets have done extraordinarily well. And we've been, I think, in a great position to take advantage of that, given again that back to that platform where, you know, I, you know, we don't do the big box distribution centers, e-commerce distribution centers. We stay away from that. But our sector of the market have seen, you know, really strong growth at pace, if not better than what we're seeing on a national level. So I think the market is strong, you know, going into to, to Q4 of this year and into next year, um, you know, no one can predict markets and I won't attempt to. But, you know, I think if, if we look at Q3 as, as you know, uh, an indicator of where we're going, I think we're going to see continued strong demand. Um, even if interest rates rise, you know, hopefully they'll rise slowly um, and in a very predictable way, which seems to be um, where the Fed is going with their policy decisions. And, you know, it's hard to envision unless we see some type of major disruption, such as another Delta variant or, or something major yeah. like that, you know, a major reversal in kind of the economic activity that's driving 
all of this, this increase in value in the industrial sector. So I'm very positive about the outlook of where the market's going, you know, over the next, call it 12 to 18 months. I think there's a lot of opportunity there for, for operator investors like, like BKM to, to go in and really drive value in that space. Yeah. Bill, are, are you guys, um, so you, you just mentioned that there's a, you know, tremendous amount of demand for the, for the product, both as an, as an investment asset, but also for leasing, um, is there enough supply? Uh, do you feel on the development side that um, there's enough of a pipeline to meet that demand? Are, are you also concerned that there might be an oversupply at some point? <laughs> well, there's certainly been a lot of construction going on. You can't you can't deny that. Although I think when I mean, you look at a lot of where the construction's happening, it tends to be on the large bay kind of e- e-commerce delivery type facilities. Um, you know, when you look at the small to mid bay, it's an interesting sector of the market. A lot of the properties that are are available today were built, you know, back in the 70s and 80s. And a lot of the ownership of those properties are either private owners or family offices right. or really kind of independent, non-institutional investors who for years held on to those assets really for cash flow purposes, but might not have invested a lot of capital in the upkeep, maintenance and, and um, you know, uh, niceness for lack of a better word right. uh, uh, to, to tenants, you know, appeal to tenants of the property. So in that regard, there, there, there is a lot of opportunity. A lot of those properties are still available. Um, and our value add strategy you know, match with that capability is, is I think where we really can take advantage of those opportunities, but we see a pipeline of several billions of dollars of worth of opportunity in the space that we occupy. And we're seeing, you know, a, you know, a pretty modest amount of net new construction in the light to mid bank, and most of the construction is going to the large base space. So, you know, at some point, maybe that market shifts, but for the foreseeable future, we think there's still a lot of opportunity for an investor like BKM. Yeah. So, in in your side of the market, um, would you say that most of your tenants or the you know companies that that would lease from the from the properties you guys own, um, these are not necessarily sort of like you know, big kind of national distribution centers, but more like a regional sort of, you know, connecting to the last mile, if you will. Um, maybe not last mile, but sort of in, in the in the in the region kind of where um, there's a, you know higher density of people, right? Um, is that product in any way sort of challenged by um, you know supply of you know land and where you can build some of this stuff, or or like you said, maybe there's still in, in enough of it that you can kind of re- redevelop or take over you know some of the older product that's already in the in the in the yeah, in the it's a great question. And look, land's obviously always the, the limiting factor to, to to any of these things. And again, a lot of the the net new construction has been focusing on an area of the market other than light to mid bay. Um, we're, we look at a lot of infill opportunities where we buy existing properties and, and use our platform to drive value in them and ultimately to increase rents and cash flow. Yep. Um, in terms of our tenant base, you know, we have a mixture of everything. You know, we, we do have spaces rented by some you know, high credit large companies, but we also have um, a lot of what you had described, kind of the mid-sized companies with, with, with you know, smaller regional offices. But then a good amount of our tenant base is also the sole proprietors, right? And they're the they're the mom and pop shops. They're they're the the people who've spent their entire life building a business, and you know really want to headquarter their business in in a high quality property, right? And have a lot of interest in in maintaining you know a relationship with a long term owner and an owner that's on site and cares about the property. And again, I think that's where we really differentiate ourselves in the market and and can take advantage of that. Yeah. 
Uh, you know, last mile support has been, you know, for like Amazon and, um, you know, kind of the trickle down Amazon effect has been, you know, a factor as well. So we've seen quite a bit of that, you know, we're kind of taking advantage, I think, of some trends in e-commerce and what's been happening in that space, you know, and particularly through the large providers like Amazon, that's been a major driver in our market. So, you know, I think we have a healthy mix across the board of tenants and we're seeing pretty strong growth across the tenant segment. So I don't think there's any, you know, shortage of demand for our product in the marketplace. And, and luckily there's still, you know, a good amount of opportunity out there for us to go in and, and to acquire properties and really transform them into higher value add properties. Yeah. Um, the interest in the market also, I think, attracts others, um, other investors too. Um, do you feel, do you feel pressure from, you know, folks coming in from other parts of the country, other parts of the world, sort of wanting to kind of take a piece of this sort of West coast, you know, industrial pie, if you will. Um, and what, what does that mean for you guys? Does, does that mean that deals are harder to get to? Does it also mean that sometimes, uh, deals are getting overpriced? Yeah, well, you know, wherever there's value in the market, there's going to be competition, right? So we, we recognize that. And there is, you know, interest, there's particularly growing interest in, in our sector of, of the industrial marketplace. But we feel we're positioned extraordinarily well to compete against that competition. Again, there are very few firms, if any, in the market that can point to, you know, the vertically integrated platform we have. We're just unique in that and we're quite good at it, you know, because we're so in market and have such a deep um relationship with brokers and, and within the market itself, I think we're able to source deals very effectively. Um, and yeah, you know, prices, prices will go up as competition rises. That's a natural part of the market cycle. So I don't expect that our, our sector is going to be any different, but, you know, I think that it's all relative, you know, you're going to see continued, you know, valuation growth. We are seeing rent growth. So while, while prices may go up, I think overall value will go up commensurate with it. So I do think there's still good investment opportunity to be had. Yeah. This may be a very basic question, um, but it's certainly on the minds of, you know, a lot of other folks working in other I industries and, and, and it's, and it's, you know, related to the, you know, log jam of, uh, you know, ships and goods not being able to make it into the country and sort of all these kind of, um, you know, logistical issues, does that impact the industry uh, or the, the, you know, the demand or the attractiveness of the industry at this point? If anything, I think it's probably helping it um, to, a, to a large extent, because I think what we're seeing in the market, uh, particularly for some of the smaller tenants we have, is there's, there's a growing recognition in the vulnerability of the global supply chain. And I think that's causing, you know, probably more economic activity to, to, to happen and occur within within the united states so i think to a certain degree the the sector has benefited by that um you know what is getting challenging is sourcing sourcing materials to do building construction right. sourcing labor to do building maintenance and yep. construction um you know if you're replacing an hva system or a roof um those costs are going up so i think in that regard the sector is you know exposed to the same set of factors that every other that every other sector of the economy and the real estate market is is exposed to. So I don't think we're any different in that regard, uh, but certainly it's challenging. And I, I foresee that this is gonna be challenging for some period of time, probably well into 2022. Yeah. Are you, um, 
are you noticing um, the product evolving? Um, I know there's been a couple of um, uh, other developers that have sort of, you know, pitched sort of two-story, you know, multi-story product kind of deal, right? And I think that's maybe more suitable for like, you know, a high density kind of urban urban setting. Um, but overall, you know, how would you say the product in the industrial side is evolving? I mean, like anything else, it must be. Yeah, you know, I, I think one of the main areas where I think is largely in focus right now is is building environmentally and ecologically um, efficient and responsible buildings, right? Which is something that we we focus on significantly, and and that's certainly one where things are evolving and the move towards that. I think has been felt across the industry, and I think for for good reason. You know, I, I think the other thing that that we're seeing is kind of multi-use within a space, and you know, having both warehousing capability and office space within a single within a single kind of bay is another area where we've seen um, you know quite a bit of um, quite a bit of demand, and that that suits our model very well because we we kind of have a standard template design. That we that we that we develop when we buy buildings and acquire properties. So I think that has has been you know a strong trend, and I think our model fits that well. You know, in terms of multi-story, you know, I haven't I haven't seen that. I don't know if others have, but I think certainly what people are looking for are are nicer buildings, right? More modern buildings with modern lines and modern colors and modern design templates. A lot of the space. You know, again, that we talked a little bit about this, but a lot of the space that occupies the mid to light industrial is just—it's just older buildings, right? And it's buildings that haven't had a lot of capital improvement over the years. So, if anything, I think that there's there's kind of a flight to quality in the tenant base, and we we have a premium product in the market, very well managed, very well designed, very modern. Um, so, I think that our property kind of positions itself well when when you're appealing to that client base. Yeah. Are you noticing, you know, things like, you know, technology upgrades that, uh, you know, tenants are now, you know, demanding or, you know, looking for the ability to, you know, deploy robots and things like that? Are, are, are those things that are now, you know, just becoming more of a, of a thing, right, that maybe 10, tw- you know, 20 years ago wasn't? I don't know if we've seen robotics yet, but I'm sure it's coming. It seems to be coming everywhere, right? But I, I think certainly, you know, when it comes to just the state of the art um, heating and cooling systems, state of the art security systems, state of the art telecommunications infrastructures, those types of things um, that 10 or 15 years ago might have been a nice to have or are an absolute must have now. So I think, you know, the standard of quality just goes up over time and technology plays a role in that. But I would guess, Looking particularly in the light manufacturing sector, you know, 10 to 15 years out, you will see that demand in more advanced robotics and those types of spaces that can accommodate it. It just seems to be the way that everything's moving. Yeah, yeah. So I want to go back and talk a little bit about your vertical integ- in, in, integrated platform and kind of what what that means for the, for the industry. I mean, is this something um, that, you know, you guys kind of, you know, wanted to do to differentiate yourself? Uh, do you see others sort of doing similar things? Um, is, 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 is it a trend? Um, and you know, how do you think, um, it, you know, makes you guys better? Yeah. So it's all about execution, right? So, so if you look at our leadership team, um, we've been in this market for an incredibly long time and we've seen what works, we've seen what doesn't work. And, we have the experience in the market to kind of know how to build a successful operating platform. And that's been the core strategy of the firm since day one is to be a good vertically aligned operator, a good real estate operator. 
Um, so, you know, I think it's, it's certainly, um, it's certainly possible to replicate, but it's largely a factor of disciplined execution. You know, so you design your, your, your architecture, your operating architecture thoughtfully as we have, but doing it is, is the hard part, right? It's, you know, it's an, it's an operationally intensive product, right? And, you know, when you have, you know, we have several thousand tenants, we, we multi, you know, execute multiple thousands of leases, our payments coming in and out every month are, are, are spectacularly high. So from a volume perspective, um, it creates real operational challenges, and you need to have the infrastructure that we have in order to be able to excel at that. And, and our goal is not only to, to provide superior investment returns to our investors, but it's to provide a world-class customer experience to our tenants. And it's the linkage of those two things that I think matters in the marketplace. Um, so, you know, when you, when you build that architecture out, again, I think it really comes down to the quality of the people that you're hiring. And I can tell you, you know, unequivocally, I think we've got some of the best operators in the market. Our property managers are world-class. Our leasing team is amazing. And we're just largely focused on operational excellence and delivering an absolute great client experience every step along the way. So I think it's replicatable, but, you know, it's, it's not easy to do. And I think, you know, we do it better than anyone else in the market. Yeah. So, uh, Bill, as you look at, you know, into 2022 and kind of, you know, beyond, what, what do you think are going to be some, some markers in the industry that are going to, you know, define it over the next, you know, five years or so? Yeah, it's a great question. I wish I had a perfect crystal <laughs> We all do. But, uh, yeah, exactly. But like the rest of us, you know, you know, I, I, I can look out maybe no more than 12 to 18 months um, with any reasonable degree of accuracy. But again, I think in that 12 to 18 month period, I, I think the markets are going to continue to remain strong. I think the macroeconomic factors driving activity in our sector of, of the real estate market are are durable for that period of time. Um, again, for, um, unforeseen circumstances happen. Um, and should we see another surge of, of Delta or some type of energy crisis or something, you never know what the market impact could be. But you know, presuming that the base case economic scenario remains relatively stable for that period of time, I think our market's going to continue to do well. And um, I think you know, you'll continue to see you know a lot of activity in this space in terms of in terms of buying, in terms of uh, of rental growth, and in terms of low of low. Uh, of low occupancy rates. Cause again, I just think the demand is strong given kind of the market conditions we're operating in. Yeah. How do you uh, then see the landscape, you know, evolving or, you know, changing as you kind of, you know, look at others that want to get into this, um, you know, space and uh, either invest in industrial or, you know, partner up. Um, does it open you guys up for some innovative kind of things that maybe, you know, you haven't thought about in the past, but now, you know, maybe you can, you know, leverage some of the, you know, platform that you've already built to, you know, uh, add additional, you know, folks that are, in, that are, you know, part of it. It's, it's a great question. And I appreciate you asking it. And I think it's a great opportunity for BKM. And, you know, we, we not only do funds, but we do joint ventures and other operating um, companies as well, where um, we're really able to, to deploy and manage capital very effectively on behalf of investors. So, I, I think that a lot of people who want to tap into the market will find that it's a lot easier to do when you're partnering with a firm like BKM than trying to go it alone and building the infrastructure necessary to be successful in this really just operationally complex part of the market. 
So absolutely, it's something we look at every day. It's something we do. Um, and it's something we'll continue to do for the foreseeable future. And I, I do think that we differentiate ourselves in that space. So we're an attractive partner for a lot of companies that might want to, for a lot of, I should really say industrial investors who might want to take advantage of this market opportunity, but don't have the platform to do it. Yeah. And um, as we talked a little bit about sort of the, you know, the outlook and sort of, you know, things that we can and, you know, cannot predict um maybe one way to look at that is also you know looking back and kind of you know lessons learned so if you could kind of look at you know over the last you know two years four years five years um what do you think were some of the biggest lessons learned throughout the industry that that you think will be will be helpful for you guys going forward well to me the the biggest macroeconomic lesson that we all learned again was the vulnerability of the global supply chain and what that's impact would be and, you know, as we get more globally connected, you know, in, you know, not just in communications, but in manufacturing and shipping and distribution, um, it's, it's just becoming more and more apparent um, where, the, where the weak links are in that and how to recover from dis disruptions in that, in that global market, I think, is a discipline that companies are just, we're going to have to learn. Um, so I, I think that's been probably the biggest in the last two years, but we can all look back and say, um, we've learned something quite valuable. I think, you know, another one that, that COVID has taught us is the impact to work environments, right? And the need to have very sound and effective business contingency plans and to have a mobile workforce um, that, can, that can remain productive despite, you know, any range of, of disrupting factors. I, you know, I think fundamentally we all understood that, but living through it, I think, has been a different experience for many of us. And we're coming out of it, I think, different with different views and different ideas and how to operate effectively through it. Um, and space plays into that, right? It plays into it in a big way. How do you locate your business? Um, where do you locate your business? You know, how do you ultimately deploy your, your, your resources, both human and other in a way that's resilient and can deal with these types of situations. So, you know, I think the last two years have been quite instructive. We've learned a lot. I don't know that I personally or any of us have fully digested it yet, um, you know, it's tough when you're living through it to have to have great foresight. But, you know, I do think we're coming out of it. We'll be a different economy. We'll be different investors. We'll be different companies. And and hopefully we'll be better prepared to deal with this type of thing um, should it ever happen again, although I hope it certainly doesn't. Excellent. Well, Bill, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with us um, and tell us a little bit about you and your company. Uh, stay well. Thank you. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Real Perspectives podcast. Stories like these help us shape our understanding of the industry, and we appreciate you taking the time to listen to it. Please follow us on any app where you get your podcasts and tell your colleagues about us. Thank you in helping us spread the word about our work and the industry that is changing the face of business.